Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Second Officer Slog. I'm your host, M. With me is regular co-host Jackson Tyler. Say hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. We're here to talk about Discovery. Jackson, have you watched any Star Trek since then? No. Last Discovery? I, last I book? Whatever? Do you Star Trek anything? I think this has been the all of the Star Trek I've done. Like, I don't know. I tried to play the um, Star Trek Stellaris mod. That's as far as we go. The soundtrack was pretty good. I played about an hour of that. That seems pretty good. I'm yeah. a little too busy to dig into it now, but I intend to. It's cool. If you just go to Stellaris, if you own Stellaris, which is a video game, you know, maybe people here don't play video games. If you go to the Steam Workshop, they're just, if you sort by most popular mods, like one of the most popular mods, if not the most popular, is a Star Trek mod that changes everything story and graphics and everything into star trek so that's what we're talking about maybe we'll talk about it more when we actually play it yep if i ever like sit down and really try to get into it i will let you know but instead i played fdl which is actually also star trek but whatever yeah no i haven't watched anything i'm due to watch some more soon but not you know i haven't yet it's been a bit i watched i watched bar association which is maybe one of the best episodes of ds9 in this rewatch yeah, no, you you uh, rewatching DS9 and realizing like the things you appreciate that show about that show have changed so much has been really cool. Yes. I mean, it is a direct output of the books we've been reading, like recentering those books around the characters they do. Sorry, my partner's in the room and I cannot talk about the things about those books that I would like to talk <laughs> about. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But based on yeah. who that centered, my appreciation for DS9 during this rewatch is much higher because uh my investment in those storylines goes past the point where those the, that show stops and that's really cool yeah no thinking of ds9 like uh through reading the books like we are able to think of ds9 as like not just a show that exists but like a playground to play in uh, yeah. in terms of just an area of the star trek universe that we're going to be spending more time in uh so that makes like certain episodes much more interesting um, yep. also bar associations is great especially in this era like this, this, just, this is like an entire episode where the A-plot is about the forming, the busting, and the success of a union, and that show would never get made today. No, no. Can yes. you even imagine? Elon Musk. Yeah. God. Look. <laughs> look. That bastard's from the mirror universe. So, of course he's talking about Elon Musk. Let's talk what? about... Let's talk about Discovery. Does that... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes. Let's talk about mirror Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. Uh, so, this is like yes. a broader question, but where did the mirror universe deviate? Because in my mind, it deviates at first contact, but the implication of this episode is that it deviated like thousands of years ago. Well, the implication uh, of first contact, or uh, of that. So, okay. There is a scene uh, at the beginning of the Enterprise Mirror Universe episode, which is hilarious. Uh, it is the opening scene uh, uh, of the episode, but it's the cl- sorry, it's the closing scene of First Contact, where um, uh, the Vulcan ship comes down, uh, and um, oh shit, what's his name? Fuck, what the, I forgot. Zephyr Cochran. I've got no, I got it, I got it, I got it. 
uh, is standing there, and uh, they built Vulcan... a statue of him. Jordy went to Zephyrin Cochran High School, Jackson. Yes, I I know. He's got to take a leak. Bozeman, Montana. Vulcan <laughs> uh, comes out, uh, does the hand signature, uh, where um, Zephyrin Cochran would usually pull out his hand and do, try to do it back and fuck it up, and haha, everyone talks to each other. Instead, he pulls out a gun and shoots him in the face, and everyone ransacks the ship. Uh, that's how the like that is it established. The mirror universe begins there as like a hilarious deviation point. So that the part of the reason that that's interesting to me, and that I've always assumed that's where the mirror universe happens, is I didn't actually get to whether or not this is true or not. But in like Shatnerverse book four, I don't think I ever read book five. They imply that that's probably where the mirror universe split is during the first contact stuff. Okay. And they had, like, a big, long explanation that was clearly going to be in the next book that I never bothered to read, so... Well, we'll get there in, like, yes. three years. Yes. Probably less. Uh, yes. But at some point. Because um, one of the plot points of that book is that the, like, giant um, a terraformed lake on on the moon in our universe is named after Lily. I don't remember her last name, but it's her last name. It's Evan Cochran's assistant. And in the Mirror Universe, that same lake is named Lake Riker. The implication being maybe that like Riker stayed behind or something. Wait, we okay. We can't get to talking about the no, like, impossible really law ramifications. We really of the can't. But this book. is just a thing that I've always wondered about since I was a child. So we're talking about it now. But you're telling me there's a Shatterverse book we're going to read at some point wherein the events of First Contact still happened in the Mirror Universe. Yes. Oh my god, that's so stupid. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. I'm fairly sure that even in that Enterprise episode, there's, like, a line saying that, like, the attack was planned. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe, like, most of the universe... Like, that is the deviant point in the universe. Yes. Uh, but the history of Earth could have been different. And like, like Yes, but, like, like they're both, they're both like, weird causal loops, right? Like... Yes. They only exist because the two universes existed in the present, and thus they deviated in the past. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but this uh, episode really leans into the Mirror Universe as being more than just another universe with coincident with coincidentally the same people like yeah. this leans into like oh maybe these characters are fated to like do these things over and over again in in different forms anyway uh, we should we anyway, should actually introduce yes. the episode we are talking about so, yes. vaulting ambition which is discovery season one episode 12 this aired 21st of january 2018 that was yesterday as of recording it mm -hmm. was written by jordan nardino and directed by hanel m Culpepper. jackson what is Hello. happening to the discovery. Oh, right. Where do we... So much happened this episode that I can't really remember. So much began. happened in 36 minutes. It, this is one of the shortest episodes of the season. I know the episode length varied because like last week's was 49, which was very, very fun for me. I do like it when the episode's long. Um, but this week, uh, we begin with uh, Lorca and um, uh, Burnham are heading to the Imperial Palace ship uh, because... Uh, Emperor Georgie has shown up and been like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Come to me. You didn't. You didn't kill the rebels. You've all. You've all messed up. What's going on here?" So she brings them to them, uh, uh, and then it's all about uh, Georgie and um, Burnham meeting. Uh, there are three main plots to this episode. There's the stuff on the palace with uh, Burnham and Giorgio and like minorly Lorca in the background. Uh, there's the stuff on Discovery where uh tyler is in a real bad way and they need to like help him um uh and like what evolves from that and then there's the stuff with um the meeting of the stamitzers uh in the mycelial network so 
which ones do we want to do first? Because those are three entirely separate plot lines in this episode. I think we should start with Vok Ash Tyler. Vok Ash Tyler, right. So, uh, as this plot line begins, um, they are trying to deal uh, with Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler is uh, like clearly in a bad way. Uh, he's like yelling and Klingon, but then occasionally there are moments where like it's clear he clearly switches to being Ash again. Um, uh, and like the two personalities just in his head warring and he's basically having a breakdown as his brain is falling apart. Um, and he's like looking at Saru asking him to help. Uh, but they can't help him. They don't know how to help him. They can't, they can barely restrain him. Uh, so Saru starts trying to ask Lorel for help. Uh, he goes to Lorel and says, hey, uh, whatever is happening is happening to both of them. I don't know what the hell you did, but if you can if you can help them, that would be that would be great. And so Lorel explains, no, we like merged. We took his body and we put Vogue's mind in it and they are both there together now and it cannot be undone. And any suffering he is enduring, he did voluntarily. He like he sacrificed this uh, and you're like a loser for coming to ask me. You clearly don't understand war. Um and then he's like okay well i'll go away go deal with that tries to deal with the uh with the ash stuff himself cannot with the help of the medical team so then asks Lorel again and it's like hey this is really bad look at this photo look at, he is destroying himself this is but we cannot contain him uh he's gonna die and you are refusing to help uh and then she's like no you still don't understand do you i will not do this i can't you can't make me do this you, you have no uh you have no leverage on me and you are you don't understand and he's like we're in the mirror universe uh so i don't know what you think matters uh but the war's not here everything's kind of going on as it uh like in the, in that universe and we're oh, like lost this war hasn't no meaning anymore and she's like no fuck you so then in the coldest thing Sarah has done all season, he's like, very well, energize, and just beams Ash Tyler into the cell with her, and she completely changes and, like, runs to her, his side, and, like, it's like, oh, oh no, clearly he is actually in pain and being confronted with this person uh, that she loves and the pain that he's in uh, really uh, fucks her up. So she agrees to do some surgery, which she says is like, oh, only, only my hand uh, can, can fix this. And so she's like basically in the medical bay with everyone with their phasers trained on her as she's performing brain surgery on Ash slash Vok. Uh, and as she's doing this, she's like adjusting the brain waves uh, and she's like looking around and she does something and something changes in the brain waves and she like screams as like uh, he becomes like at peace again. What this actually means is not made clear the implication is that uh vok has been like removed in order to save ash tyler i don't actually know if that's what happens we will see uh but she definitely does a big like death scream like oh vok's gone uh yes even though that, that is not said explicitly so yeah because what happens is he's saying a prayer in klingon and then as she does it it like devolves into english by the end yes like as yes. he like loses that ability to do that maybe um mm -hmm. So we start with this one because this is so you had kind of a down opinion on this episode, right? Uh, I came away yeah, kind of, look, uh, on it. Just say yes and we can continue because you did. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I like I was kind of flat on last episode. But the thing that I like list looking at people's reactions is this is the part of the series where like we have three episodes left and all of the possibility space of what new Star Trek could be because this was always going to be a season written to be maybe the only season because who knew if they were going to get more is like rapidly collapsing down as we come to whatever the ending of the story is going to be because the season has to have an actual ending because it might have been the last star trek for another 10 years for all anyone yes knows. yes 
Uh, and so that leaves a certain amount of like watching stuff being taken off the table when it wouldn't be if it was season one of a seven season show otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a big part of that. And we'll get to the other part when we talk about Lorca and stuff, probably. Um, this is the one that makes me the saddest because I really like the idea of Valk and Tyler. And maybe like maybe what she did is actually merge the two in a way that they are just one person now. And they're just going to like Ash Tyler's just going to have to live with that or Valk or whatever he ends up calling himself by the end of it. Because she would still see that as like a death of this character, right? Yeah. Uh, so like I think there are two possibilities for how this has gone. Like the way that scene is shot is kind of unclear i have to go back and watch it again but like she is very clearly like doing something uh to his head and like she could be for all i know like resuppressing vok to awaken again later Um, yeah i mean i guess that's possible i'm willing to take it at the word at her like the word of the show's like narrative that that is not what's happening yeah uh I don't think there's enough time for that in this season. But also, like, she has all these flashes of, like, the time she and Vox spent together, and then she does the death scream. I just don't think you'd do all that in this show with that being her plan. Yep. Uh, but I also, like, I'm with you in that. If if it's just Ash's, like, if we just removed this problem uh, and Ash is Ash again. Yes. Like, obviously, he's still going to have the trauma from all this being fucked up. Like, he's still going to be Ash and be, like, uh, precious boy, trauma boy uh, forever. But... It is going to be weird to have that, like, depth lost if they just have, like, removed Vok entirely. That seems a bit strange. Um, but, again, this like that's where the plotline ends. We don't actually know where this is going. And this episode, probably more than most, is, like, three plotlines of things just happening that don't actually get any closure or emotional payoff, even in, like, the episodic sense. It's, like, things that will be picked up next week. We are in the final stretch. Yeah. Uh, the... The thing here that's interesting to me is what what role Lorel might be playing in the future if we are getting rid of Vok as like the lead Klingon of this show, because it's always been Vok, Cole, and Lorel as like the three hero Klingons of the show, and yes. Vok is gone, uh, Lorel or uh, Cole is dead. I mean, I guess there was Takuma, but he ate it in the pilot, so it doesn't really matter. But like those are like the hero Klingons; they're all gone now, and. Of all of the click-ons that have existed with this, like, new makeup that, you know, take it or leave it. We can, can talk about that when we wrap up the season, I guess. She's the one that is the most, like, the actress. You can see the actress through the makeup. It's not a huge, a lot of face prosthetics. Like, if they wanted to put her on the ship in some capacity, just in the prison forever, it makes sense that she's the one they chose because the makeup is, good, like, good enough to do that. Probably not super hard to wear. And she's the one who acts best through it. I mean, we've said, mm-hmm. like, I think it was, like, season, or episode three that I was like, man, Lorel's really good at acting through the makeup. Yeah, and it's a much lighter makeup job, because, like, Vok is not only a makeup job, but it's also <laughs> done to when they, hide. When they, when they cut to Vok, it, it, like, almost reads as, like, a mask. It's so heavy, because, like, there's, like, the like the face piece is, like, the nose, but also, like, lips and brows. They're all different. Like, he's just wearing a Halloween mask at that point. Yeah, because, yeah, they, they have to pretend it's not him. Yep. Uh, whereas Lorel is just a character, uh, mm-hmm. and I think... Like, if Lorel sticks around, that's going to be really interesting. Um, yes. I would like for her to. Well, yeah. We'll also, see. like when Saru comes to tell her about uh, Ash Tyler's problems, she's like facing away from the force field, like meditating. Like Lorel's cool. I would like her to stick around because she's awesome. Also. <laughs> yeah. No, she likes is like looking at the wall to spite the Federation. Like, I'm not going to look at you. What do you yep. want from me? I'm just going to sit here in my cell and know that I'm like secretly winning. Yeah. <laughs> and then Saru's like, No, you, you're not. That's not how any of this works. None of us are winning. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's kind of that story. What would you like to do next? Do, do you like I to save Loka next? Okay. All right. I think because that's yeah, not I the order really... I would have chosen, but all right. But I, the other stuff is stuff I really love. So I want to talk about that last. Okay. Do you want me to summarize this one? Yes. So we are on the Imperial Palace ship, the Charon, which is a giant ship built around like a small star. It's very strange as to what it is and how it works. Uh, but that's what it is. And Lorca and Burnham are taken before Emperor Georgiou, who now has like six more names tacked onto her name. Uh, and yeah, they're like in Regia and Dora. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, because she's she is like she not only rules the Terran Empire, but she is the de facto leader of all of the planets that they have consumed in their expansions. So she's like ruler of Kronos, Regia, Andoria, or whatever, and all like. It's ridiculous. And she yeah. is ridiculous to boot. She walks around with like a metal fan and a sword. Uh, it's a little on the nose, but uh, she plays so is the really mirror universe. Well. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess so is the mirror universe. Anyway, she starts interrogating Burnham basically like, why are you back? I can't believe you're back. I can't believe you're back with him. And Burnham tries very hard to like explain the situation in her. Like, I'm going to pretend to be mirror Michael Burnham be evil, but I'm actually really bad at this sort of way up until the, uh, and George is like, Oh, uh, we'll bring you back. It'll be great. You, we, we need to speak in private. And then she's like, pick one. She points to a bunch of Kelpians and Burnham's like, uh, that one, I guess. And one of them's let off. And then there cuts them eating dinner. And it turns out they're eating the Kelpians because Brian Fuller wrote this show at some point. Yeah, Um, he sure did. His legacy lives on in, I, she points to Saru. It's not no. Th- Is that all not those, Saru? None of none of them are the ones from the ship. They're just Kelpians. Okay. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought that the whole point of that scene, like I couldn't tell because it happened so quickly. No, no, no. They're just Kelpians. If... All right. All right. Um, because <laughs> all Kelpians look the same, which I understand problematic. But here's where we are. Anyway, look, it's a makeup job. <laughs> um. Georgiou like is like oh you're back let me give you a, a, one of the ganglia it's the best part and uh, Burnham looks like she's about to throw up everywhere but does not she eats the thing and is fine and is like trying to hold all together and it's revealed that Georgiou was the person who raised Burnham in this universe and she's been like the emperor's daughter and she was given command of the, the uh, Shenzhou to go out and explore the galaxy and rule the empire and now that she's back, uh, Burnham or Georgie doesn't know what to do about it, and because she's acting really weird, not answering things correctly. And Burnham like fails to be mirror universe just enough for Georgie to get suspicious, and he pulls a knife on her. And at knife point, Burnham immediately reverts to Starfleet training and is like, "Well, let me explain. I'm from the Prime Universe. We are trying to get find a way home. It's me and Lorca. We're here. We need to get Alpha. Maybe you could help us. You want to get us out of this universe too? Because you probably don't want us here as much as we don't want to be here. And it works enough to get Georgie to listen." But also Burnham happens to mention, oh, yeah, we got here through a spore drive. And uh, she clearly lights up about this because a spore drive sounds really useful, like a thing you'd want to have if you run an evil empire. Mm-hmm. In fact, she's like, I will help you get back to your universe if you give me the schematics for the drive. And Burnham's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Prime Directive clearly doesn't apply here. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked up. She's like, yeah, I guess I'll give you the like ability to subjugate like even harder than before. Like, whatever. This isn't my universe. I mean, look, we know that the Spore Drive does not actually like change this universe. And the Terran Empire is doomed anyway. <laughs> sure. She doesn't know that, but we know that. And some things just have to be hand-waved away when you're in a 37-minute episode, Literally 12 of 15. She was like, look, I can't just go ahead doing anything, uh, even because this is another universe. Like, that was the central... She like, just ate a Kelpie in Jackson. 
Uh, this mirror universe stuff is a bit vague. <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway, when she's explaining everything to Georgiou, um, in the meantime, um, what's his name? Uh, Lorca is in the in the uh agonizer. what's it called the agonizer right and she at the beginning of the episode she had like given him like a hypo spray that was supposed to dull his senses so he wouldn't be as injured by the agonizer and so you're just waiting for him to get like kicked out of the agonizer and as he's in there this guy comes up and he's like oh gabriel Lorca, it's amazing to see you back alive and he clearly has business he's like tell me about my sister and you it's like oh Gabriel Lorca doesn't know what his sister because he's not from this universe even though come on he's clearly from this universe <laughs> and they play this for, like as like a beat in between the Georgiou and Burnham stuff for about 10 minutes they uh, sure do yes um and then uh while that's happening and uh Burnham is explaining the plan to Georgiou and getting Georgiou on board um because Georgiou knows, obviously, because of the Defiant coming over, knows everything about the Prime Universe. She's like, the United Federation of Planets. Ideas like freedom and cooperation. All of these things are evil, and I don't believe in them. <laughs> um, she explains the situation, and then is... So she's talking about getting Burnham back home, and it's like, I can't believe you'd work with Gabriel Lorca. Our Gabriel Lorca is such an evil manipulator. And then starts explaining, like, the the ways in which Gabriel Lorca was evil, in that he was the Emperor's, like, right-hand man, and had helped basically, like, raise Michael Burnham in the Mirror Universe, and then had, like, fallen in love with her. It's it's not, I feel like it's not clear whether or not they were together, or whether or not he was just, like, a creep at her. The implication in this episode, and it is st- well, implication. It is said explicitly that he groomed her. That, like, yes, he raised her. In but order that to, does, like, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean anything in the mirror universe where they all talk ridiculous like that. Sure, but it is played as a big reveal, and it, it is like basically trying to cast their relationship in uh, a new light. Where, yes. Um, she realizes that oh, he has always had these like hidden intentions uh, with me, and is like seeking to use me for his own ends. It is not clear how much that is true. So this is the stuff that I kind of felt, um, uh, kind of. So we're not, not we're down. not done with the, we're not done with the summary yet. Okay, yeah, so, summary and then so we'll she's explaining she's explaining how Mira Gabriel Lorca acts and the things he has said about Michael Burnham. And as it happens, it just so happens to be exact dialogue pulls from earlier in the season. Things that Michael Burnham has seen Gabriel Lorca say, and she's flashing to all these things that he said that align exactly with Georgie's telling her. And then she opens the big window to her like weird sun drive that the palace is wrapped around, and she like flinches. And uh, Burnham is like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "The one difference between our universes, the only genetic deviance in thousands of years, is that everyone in the mirror universe is sensitive to light." And then she there's the flash of every time Gabriel Lorca has been like, "Oh, I need to inject my eyeballs because I'm sensitive to light because of the brand blowing up." And thus it's revealed Gabriel Lorca is actually from the universe. Shock of all shocks. He gets out of the agonizer and beats that guy up, kills him, whatever. And then it's implied, oh, he's like the real evil that they're going to have to stop next episode. Even though, come on, that's not. We all knew Gabriel Lorca was a bad man. He's been a bad man since episode three. He will continue to be a bad man. That doesn't mean he's not going to end up captain of Discovery by the end of the season. So, uh, yes, a lot of the reaction to this episode has been centered around this twist and uh like how people feel about it uh a lot of the ways i feel weird about it are nowhere near as much as like some of the reaction i feel weird about it because i think calling Lorca a villain 
uh, and leaning into like, oh, he's like a grooming creep who uh, is like super evil and he's going to like come and get us is it just feels like such an easy way out. for like. But also the only person who says that is Philip Georgie, the emperor oh, yes. of the Terran Empire. <laughs> yes, exactly. So like my problem is less that he's a he's from the mirror universe and has done all these things because I, I actually think there are like really interesting places they can go with what is on the table here. It, it is more that like, oh, they've done these things and I feel weird. Uh, but it's more just that's the end of an episode of television in like, you know, in 20, yep. 2018 and they have to have this big twist and they've done these big moments before and they always walk them back to the more considered, okay, what's actually going on after the cliffhanger? Which, yes. again, not the greatest structural thing. I am not a big fan of modern television either for this reason, but that's what we got. Yep. <laughs> and we should all accept that that's what we're working with. I don't think it's bad that he's from the Mirror Universe. Uh, yes. I think there is a read on his relationship, which is where I expect it to go, of like, oh, I actually, because I was in an evil land, really fucked up and was creepy in this relationship with someone I like cared about. Uh, I'm going to bring her to my side and make her actually like she's actually cool because uh, he's not actually been that creepy towards her in the real universe. He's not. Yeah, no, like, like he's no he's not any creepier to, towards her than he is everyone else that he uses for his own ends. He's in fact much creepier towards everyone else. <laughs> um. I don't know. There's that the that that day that time like mid season where he like convinces her like she's like I apologize. I'm glad I'm on your ship. I'm glad I serve with you. And like the weird speech he gives her like that stuff is pretty manipulative in exactly the same way he was towards like Stamets and Cornwell and stuff. Oh yeah, no yeah. Uh, but he's been manipulative throughout. Um, yes, no, like, that's just I, who he is. But I also think that like um, the way he like they could totally be like oh the way he has been with uh, Prime Burnham is like a reflection of his way with Mira Burnham and has been trying to like because we had this this guess uh, early on that like he's not evil necessarily he might just be a, like from the evil universe and just trying to be good because he wants to be but that's like you can't do that overnight like, I mean that that's, yeah, like that's on the table by by DS Nine the humans are not evil in the Mirror Universe like they are the downtrodden oppressed peoples that you're supposed to like empathize with. Even though, like, 200 years earlier, they're part of the Terran Empire. That's, like, the whole point of the Mirror Universe is, like, like the Mirror is a distortion that is messed up. Not necessarily everyone is evil now. It's been portrayed that way because everyone's riffing on Mirror Mirror, but that doesn't have to be the way it goes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I definitely came out of the episode kind of down, but that's, like I say, more of a function of the way television is designed. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been reading reactions to this episode. Everyone needs to just take a step back. <laughs> so my, my reaction, not even about the villain, is that I, what will happen is there will be a confrontation, but they need to get off the ship and back to the universe anyway. Uh, Lorca's probably the only person who actually helped make that happen, and they will work together, and it'll be uneasy. But then in season two, you have him commanding a ship, and she knows all about him. And he's got this weird thing where, like, he sees her as, like, a daughter that he's raised, and she... like. Lorca's the one person that Burnham looks up to that wasn't actually a surrogate parent for her, because it was Georgia who was like her surrogate mother when she got off Vulcan, and there's mm. Sarek, who was literally her adopted father. And that's all she's had is, like, adults that she looks up to as, like, parental figures. And here's Lorca, who will, like, be the straight shooter with her, and I understand why she would, like, appreciate that after all of these parental figures. And that baggage being offloaded into him being the one who sees that, I think is like a dynamic you don't actually see much of in these types of shows. Oh no! And I, I would actually really like that to be what like the baggage of season two is. I hadn't considered just cause it wasn't, I wasn't what I was thinking about, but that like when this wraps up, Burnham will be the only one who knows this. Yes. Huh. huh. That's interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's totally there's no reason they have to like, she's already not tearing, telling Saru a lot of things about her adventures. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think a lot. I think that the possibility space is still really interesting. I don't mm-hmm. think. I think you just have to ignore the like the overplayed direction of the last scenes of like, oh, he like, yeah, kicked no. the guy in the face. Like you always. Yeah. That's just that's just television. You always have to ignore that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Unless but, someone is actually murdered in those last three <laughs> minutes, they don't matter. It's the end of a comic book. That's what it is. This is serialized television. Mm-hmm. Like they matter, but not in the you know, yeah. not in the the emotional state is not necessarily the textual. Uh, yeah, events you got to bring it back down every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, there are also like there's I've been other things I've been considering that fall into the next plot line that I don't know where it's going. There's there's still a lot of like questions to answer, which are now more interesting. That all the obvious questions have all been answered with a yes. Yes. So Jackson, please tell us about the third storyline of this episode. So the third storyline of this episode is Paul Stamets uh, trapped in the mycelium network. Tilly is monitoring him uh, in the spore chamber, going, "Oh, there's something like something is happening in his brain, and we just need to let it happen." And Saru's like, "I I can see that, but he's in a coma." Like. If he doesn't just if he doesn't just wake up all of a sudden, then I don't know what like what, there's nothing we can do. Uh, and we cut to inside the mycelial network, and he runs into Mira Stamets, and there's a hilarious scene um, <laughs> where he's like, "Are you like? Am I dead? Are you here to lead me? Uh, lead me to God?" <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah Mira Stamets is like, "Yes, God does exist, and you've made her very angry, Paul." <laughs> And then he's like, what, really? And he's like, no, What? if you are dead, you're not dead. And if there is a God, we don't know because we're stuck here in the Massilio network. Let me show you around. Because yeah, like, he, eventually he finds out that like, oh, wait, you're just fucking with me. But he still thinks he's dead. Yeah. So there's a way, like, wait, hang on. So is this instead of the afterlife? And he has to be like, no, you're in the spores. Uh, come on, hurry up with this. Get to it, Paul. I'm from another universe. Um and we've got to deal with whatever's going on. So they're trapped. In, they're both trapped in a mycelium. Yes, because Mir Mir Stamets has also been experimenting with the spore drive, but in a much different way than Prime Universe was. Yes, he. Uh, I think he says at this point that he is on. Uh, he is working on the Emperor's ship. Yeah, uh, and just experimenting with the mycelium network, and that is all he says. Can't possibly have any nefarious intentions. Uh, so they go to the discovery as the thing happens that always happens. Where uh, so some of you heard this before, but the abstract non-space just becomes the primary standing sets of the show. Uh, I don't know if you looked at Trek Corps, but all of the <laughs> environments had USS Stamets plaques replaced the Discovery plaques. Yes. Yes, oh, <laughs> they did the I work. Fucking love the show. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's so good. Yep. Um. So, uh, they're working through like we need to get to engineering. If you like. All the facilities of the ship will still work as it will in your mind. We need to like use your brain and figure out how we can get out of the spore network. Um, and as they are walking through the ship, they suddenly like see something behind them. They're getting lost uh, because it's not a real place. So it's easy to get lost in. And uh, uh, Mira Stamets is like, oh, don't get lost. If you get lost, that's good. It's really bad for you. And they see this like weird darkness coming at them. Just, just, like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a red darkness. fungus creep. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, something is wrong inside the network, so we have to hurry up. Uh, we can't get lost, because if we get caught in it, it'll like really mess you up. And he reveals that he's like, it's infected him as well, uh, and before long, it's going to infect the whole network. It's going to infect, which means it's going to infect all of life across all of the universe. It is like an existential threat that isn't really like bigged up, it's just stated, but it is an existential threat of the kind that we just don't get in uh star trek which it makes me very excited it's some real friends of the table shit yes um what if the like 
Matrix of the Universe was like infected. Well, I mean, let me tell you a story about the time that it was revealed that like warp speed actually damaged the fabric of space time, <laughs> and then right. nobody did anything about it. I fucking hate that this clean warp drive alternative also infects the fabric of space time. Uh, I guess that's not actually what happened. Uh, no. Anyway, they're trying to figure out what's going on, but while they're into engineering, he sees uh, who could he see but Hugh Culber. Uh, who is in the network, and he chases him around, and, and uh, Mira Stamps is like, no, you're, this is how you get lost, don't do it. Um, and he's running around after him, and eventually leads to his quarters, uh, and finds Hugh, uh, and the door shuts on him, and he is locked in his quarters. Uh, before before we talk about this scene, uh, it's worth pointing out that Mira Stamets asks who Hugh is. Yes, uh, like, who's Hugh? Because they have said explicitly, like, they had thought maybe they were going to do a Mira Culber, but then decided that they didn't want to do that uh, because it he would have just been like, oh, like an evil Nazi doctor. And that's not fun or interesting to do with the character who's dying in the prime universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it led me to ask you the question today over Slack is, is Mirror Universe Paul Stamets gay? Uh, which I said, probably, why wouldn't he be? And then remembered that DS9 exists. Yes, no, DS9 <laughs> proves that sexuality can change over the universes. And in because fact, it's one Kira of the is ways. like the straightest woman on Earth in the Prime Universe. Oh, that's not, that's not true. Jackson, every man she is with is the most bland, vanilla, white bread man that's ever existed. Yeah, but you're she gonna is tell like, me. Every time Dax tries to take her to Hollow Suite to like have some fun, she is a stick in the mud about it. I was about to say, you're gonna tell the me the straightest woman never, in space. I was about to say you, you didn't tell me that she never like not once hooked up with Dax, but I guess that is probably an answer. And Dax is just annoyed every time this incredibly straight woman. Yes. Um. Uh. I don't know. There are there are other candidates on DS9 for this title, but yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe I so, like the headcanon though. Yes, the headcanon is that Mirror Paul Stamets is totally hetero, and he's the fucking worst because of it. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Um, anyway, back anyway, to the quarters. Back to the quarters, and he sees Hugh, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing in the network? What's going on?" And he's like, "I'm. I'm dead. I. I died. I was killed." And then, uh, Stamets remembers that, like, "Oh wait, I saw that." And then I was like holding your body as you. Oh no. Oh shit. You're dead. Um, which I, the thing I liked about this is that I expected this to be like a, a representation of, uh, Kulba or something, but the way this is played is this is actually Kulba, but yes. like not in the real world. Like this is, it is like, they say that this isn't an afterlife and this is just the network, but they play this as him like meeting Kulba. I mean, uh, to be fair, Tilly last time said that the Mycelia network is like the building blocks of life and death in the yeah. universe. <laughs> which is why we were all predicting that he would use the power of love uh to bring Culber back but instead of that you get this like really beautiful scene uh where he's like okay just tell me about your day as they like go through their favorite part of their life and just this like um domestic relationship that they have and he's like oh play that aria the one that he loves but i fucking hate um, and it's just like it was it was very emotional for me and i found like one of the big complaints uh with the way that this plotline has gone so far, uh, is not only that um, uh, Culber died, but that his death was like played for shock value, and this brings that back, and you get a very, just a very sweet scene where they like talk about this, and he's like, "I guess you're dead. What does that mean? Like, you're not. I can't bring you back. This is really messed up, and I'm not okay with it." And Culber's like, "Well, you're gonna have to be. You're still you. You can't stop being you." And they just sit in this room, and he, he explains that um. Uh, that the like, whatever's wrong with the network, the other Stamets did it, and 
you yeah, have to. The, the spe- he specifically one. says he was misusing the mycelial network for his own ends, which yes. sounds really fucking nefarious, given the potential space of that. <laughs> yes. And he's like, you can't, because like, there's a moment where he's like, oh, what if I just stayed here with you? Because I don't want to go back to the universe without you. Uh, and Culver gives him the speech of like, no, this, like this is what's going on. And you are the only person who has anywhere like near the knowledge to begin trying to help. And you have to do this. Uh, and it's yeah and then he has to like leave him and it's really sad and i there's gonna be a lot of discourse about this this scene this plot line and i I do not begrudge anyone who is annoyed about the way this has gone in uh like the first 10 episodes of a season or first 15 episodes of a season killing off one of the characters in star trek's first gay relationship uh but this seems like really good to me and was very emotional i was very sad Uh, yeah i i also thought this was an incredible scene one of the best of this show to date oh easily like yes uh, i made a post this morning on twitter being like i i I acknowledge politically the uh like the disappointingness of the uh trope where you know uh gays are usually like only gay in tragic circumstances but also i that is i eat that up it's the best (laughs) but also between like this scene the dancing scene Mm -hmm. with him and burnham and him telling lurk uh uh hilly it is fucking cool like paul stamets is actually the hero we deserve in star trek he's so good so much (laughs) Oh, and as the season, like, starts to narrow that space, like, we originally were like, oh, Paul Stamets is clearly going to, like, fuse the mushrooms and save the network. I think it's much more likely he's going to use science to save the network and then never touch it again. And Mm -hmm. I'm really excited that we are going to get a Paul Stamets that can, like, live this life and grieve this relationship and have these interactions and still be that amazing character. Like, Anthony Rapp is so good in this show, and every scene he's in, he is wonderful, and I love it a lot. Even but, if, like, I get people, like, being upset at this direction being taken in the aspect of all media, yes. but this story specifically as a thing that is being told is being incredibly well told, and I'm willing to see it out and enjoy it in the moment. It's, yeah, like, it's big and tragic and, like, in in the vein of a lot of disappointing, like, trends, but take it on its own, I, like, really like this moving story about this couple and about this tragedy, um... And I think it's being told like as respectfully as it could be, like in like in the context of what they're doing. Um, yeah. Like now, my prediction has shifted to oh, he's gonna like have to fix it with science and never go there again. Even though uh, Culber, like he could go back in and see Culber anytime he wanted, is like the way this episode ends. But mm. you can't do that. So uh, and that's it's sad. It's really sad. So now that uh, Culver's like, you have to go and save the network. He he's like, I, I'm stuck. I'm in a coma. Like, what do I do? He's like, just open your eyes. And he opens his eyes and sits up in the medical bed and then walks out of sick bay. But it just so happens that he's walking out of sick bay on the Charon, the Imperial Palace ship, because he's in the wrong Stamets's body. <laughs> and yep. back on the Discovery, Mira Paul Stamets wakes up in engineering. Uh, in the real Paul Stamets' body and Tilly's like oh you're awake Uh, we have a lot to tell you he's like yes I know about Hugh I need to see the mushrooms and he walks into the mushroom bay and all of the fungus is dying because of the spread of the mycelial disease or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it's gone very badly for everyone yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) apparently this wasn't clear that they switched bodies (laughs) look I don't know I was just looking at people's reactions on Twitter people on Twitter are stupid like that could have just been someone who didn't know what the hell they were talking about okay he opens his eyes and then he opens his eyes on the on the bridge and it pulls out in a very dramatic obvious way he is in the wrong body so this yes. is gonna go if, if it wasn't obvious from the fact that his uniform is different they even pan over to a shot of a placard that's like imperial ship 
I could see watching that and thinking, wait, why hasn't other Stamets woken up? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. The part the part where like we're like, oh, like, don't worry, it's it's Star Trek. It's not that deep. Like they're not playing three-dimensional chess. But then I realized that even the like very obvious plotting is like people are just bouncing off of. Because no one does a podcast where they have to read the show as they watch it. <laughs> it's strange. Um, I don't watch I, new television. I don't know. Are, are people just dumb or is TV just like mostly bad? Um, Both can be true. You watch Breaking Bad. Tell me, Jackson. Is TV bad? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. It's like a Shakespeare play. Yeah, no. Five acts. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, apparently season five of Breaking Bad is just t- in totally the endowment, which is surprising yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs> Oh, that was a good. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we're just subtweeting someone's article, uh, but that's basically that's where the episode ends. I all the stuff in the mycelial network was like fantastic. I yep. love all the Stamets stuff. Uh, the way this has gone has made Stamets like into one of my favorite Star Trek characters. Yes, I'm 100%. so excited for where this goes. Yep, uh, my sad special boy with mushrooms. Yeah. Yep, he will soon no longer be special, probably. Yep. Uh, and um, the like possibility that it raises and the question that it raises is like the connection between this plot and the Lorca plot. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's on the same ship uh, and yes. the spore experiments are happening on the same ship. When uh, when um, Georgie asks Burnham, oh, the spore drive. Uh, and like she's not innocently doing that. She knows what a spore drive is. She knows like those well, experiments. She knows what she watch. knows what Masilla Network is. They're the the. Mirror Universe might not have a sport drive, but they have something similar. Oh, sure. But yes. she Burnham does not realize that she is entering into that like negotiation yes. in a very untrustworthy way. Shocking that the Emperor of the Mirror Universe would ever do such a thing. Yeah, no, I don't know. Who sounds could, who could sounds fake. Uh, and so this like raises the question of is like Lorca is Lorca's mission not to stop the war, but essentially to end an existential threat to all universes i don't know like probably not that he might not know anything about the stamina well stuff. sure but, but the, he thing with the, the thing with stamina stuff implies that even if Lorca doesn't know that that's what he's doing that might be what he's doing because the mycelial network is like representative of a different type of faith in star trek like you have the bajorans <laughs> and the prophets and the wormhole aliens whatever but now you have this other idea that is like more sciencey, but it's just as kind of like new age. The universe is bound together by life energy. It just happens to be in the form of mushrooms that go through the fabric of space time. I watched Haven. I know about. Life I have no idea what you're talking about now. You've just immediately leapt past my knowledge. So no, it's an episode we covered on this show with Troy and. Oh, that that yes, right. God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. We'll be back next week to talk about <laughs> Discovery Episode 13, Jackson, Plug Zone. Uh, plug Zone. Uh, right, right, God, plugs. Uh, I'm at Headfords Off on Twitter. Uh, you can find the other podcasts we do at abnormalmapping.com. We have Abnormal Mapping, which is a game club podcast. Look uh, for our podcast on um, Shadow of the Colossus in the next couple of weeks. It should be. Should be next Friday, right? Uh, yes. No, no. The 31st. It'll be on, I think that's Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. It'll be the last day of the month. Last day of the month. So look for that one that comes out. Um, Please be very excited. Uh, Me and Molly are doing the Amory score every two weeks. Mm. We're going through. Yeah, Mm. I know. (laughs) Yeah, we are going through the podcasts. uh, Well, no, we're the podcast. We're going through the comics and albums. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long day. Uh, Of uh, of Coheed and Cambria. 
it sounds stupid and it is but it has led to a much better podcast than i could have imagined from the premise so <laughs> you should come on down and enjoy a good apollo and burning star for volume one from three through the eyes of madness is the full title so that's a good time uh novel not new is a podcast about visual novels uh with jen colin and m uh fireside friends is at firesidefriends.net uh that is ryan and the katie show uh where else can you find us uh we are on patreon patreon.com slash norm mapping if you subscribe for one dollar you will get weekly the great gundam project which is a podcast me and jackson do where we watch two episodes of gundam and talk about them uh we are covering the last two episodes of mobile suit gundam this sunday and then we'll be done and we'll be moving on to zeta gundam i'm very excited to be finished we'll be on to gundam that i have not i've seen some of zeta i've not seen all of it i'm excited to rewatch it and do our close reads on it and it'll be good Outside of that, you can find me at em underscore being on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for your support. We'll be back next week with another Discovery episode. We'll be back early February to talk about William Shatner's The Return. Please be ready for some hot bullshit. Until then, see you out there. Thank you.